1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average 12 Month Savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: I think the audience perceives what's genuine. That's who he is. The same guy who just happens to have extraordinary football knowledge. He made
1: everyone want to watch football. If you just heard his voice in the distance, that was a TV you had to run to.
2: You know, he coached with a passion and love for the game.
1: He went into broadcasting, changed the way football was broadcast, if not greater sports. Some
2: things that just go together.
1: changed the way America celebrates Thanksgiving, for Grand out loud.
2: Now this is what the game of football is all about.
1: That's so awesome, and you can watch it now on Peacock, the all-Madden documentary, it debuted Christmas Day. I finally watched it earlier this week. And I loved every minute. I'm going to watch it again when we're done today. It, it is so good, and it's funny. It's just John Madden through and through. And Peter, you know when I laughed the loudest? I laughed the loudest at the story about Brett Favre's uncle Rube.
2: <laughs> that was great. The sacks. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and Madden trying to say I can't talk about that. He's trying to think of words <laughs> to say. Oh, I can't really comment
1: on that. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, the, there are so many memories of a guy like John Madden. He's been part of football for me for as long as I've been aware of the National Football League. The first game that ever registered on my radar screen was the Immaculate Reception game, for crying out loud. He's always been there. I never regarded him as a guy who would become a great broadcaster that was a godsend Peter when all of a sudden we realized there's somebody who talks differently who behaves differently who communicates differently than anyone that's ever been in a booth it changed everything then you throw the video game franchise on top of it no one no one there's no one else who has had the level of influence over the sport of football that John Madden has had and it will endure for as long as the NFL is around, because that video game—they're not changing the name of that game. You know, I, I've been struggling all week to think of the right tribute f- for the NFL of John Madden. What they can name after him, I, and they—they they need to do something significant, I believe. But even without that, that video game is going to be called Madden for as long as the NFL is around. Look, I think
2: there's a couple of amazing things about the life story of John Madden. I said the other day that. Um, I don't think in the 102 years of professional football that there has been a more influential figure at any level than John Madden because you think about it, John Madden never coached another game after the age of 42. The top five guys on the all-time list of victories in the NFL all coached a minimum of 21 years after the age of 42 two of them are still coaching bill belichick and uh, and andy reed so so that's one thing and he did enough by age 42 he did enough as a head coach to be selected to the pro football hall of fame okay now you look at his next two careers you know even though the video game wasn't a career per se He was the savant uh, guy who was enlightened and who explained to them, no, we're not playing seven-on-seven on on the video game, you idiots. There's a full (laughs) offensive line we're going to play. Every single little tweak that they made was either dictated by Madden or approved by Madden. And so and that video game is one of the most popular video games in the history of planet Earth. 7 billion dollar gross. Okay? And then you consider the fact that oh, by the way. So he's he's also probably the greatest analyst in any sport ever on television. So just think. He was good enough to be a Hall of Famer by the age of 42 when he never coached another game after that. And he had two careers after that that arguably he was better at than his first career where he made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So to me, I I mean, if we're having a contest to determine who is on the NFL's Mount Rushmore, you can name all these guys, Lombardi and Roselle and Hallis and... Brady and Belichick, you name all these guys. Number one, John Madden.
1: Hey, I I said earlier this week when uh, Chris mentioned the possibility of him on the Mount Rushmore of the NFL, I said, it's hard to put anybody else with him. He stands apart from the rest of them. You'd have John Madden, the coach, John Madden, the broadcaster, John Madden, the video game icon, fourth spot omitted. Somebody suggested make the Madden cruiser the fourth spot but uh, you know he, he it's separate and apart from anything that anyone else has ever done and i you know it's great that they did the documentary and he got to see it and enjoy it and appreciate the way that people viewed him and and regarded him and loved him and felt like they knew him i it's it, it still is a shame that someone has to die before it really hits everyone as to how big of an impact they had because these facts were all out there for us a week ago and we were celebrating John Madden with this documentary and I didn't bother to stop and think, you know what? This guy's the single most influential person in the history of the sport of football. From the first time they got four pieces of leather and strapped them together and filled them with air and had this oblong ball, what are we going to do with it? I don't know. Let's run with it. Let's. I don't know. What do we do? Let's lace it up and let's go run around in the backyard with it. He's the most influential figure, and it, it, it required him dying for that, for that epiphany to occur. It's kind of sad when you think of it because he should have had an opportunity but, to recognize and be appreciated as the most influential figure. Maybe he knew in his heart that he was and that's all that mattered. But, Mike,
2: I, I will say this. That's, that's a verity of life, unfortunately, that you don't truly celebrate a guy in full flower until that person dies. You just don't. But I will say this. I was one of the 38 people interviewed for that documentary. And at the end of the interview, Tom Rinaldi said to me, he said, hey, we're asking all the people who we interview for this doc uh, to look into the camera and say something to John Madden, whatever you want to say. And so and they said and he said, we're going to play them all for for Coach Madden. We're going to put them all together. He's going to go in a room, and he's going to be able to see all of these. So he'll just be able to appreciate uh, he, this. Look, and now it, it came out that he did see the documentary before he died. So to me, Mike, uh, I actually think that John Madden was ushered into death probably with the greatest feeling that anyone could have before he died, he or she died, having been told by everyone associated with the game of football, everyone, how great he is, how wonderful he is by his own sons, by his wife. Everyone is telling him what a big difference he has made in his chosen field. Nobody has made as big a difference as he did. So I would disagree that, you know, Madden never got to see it. He saw it right at the end and I think he knew, and I think he was touched. Uh, you could tell when he was watching some of the things, and look at his eyes. They were moist. Uh, he, he really felt, I think he felt touched by the whole thing.
1: And I agree with you completely. I guess just that that notion that this guy is the one who stands out above all others. This guy is the one who impacted the game in a way that no one ever has, no one currently is and perhaps no one ever will that realization and you're right it's just part of what happens like hey you know what i really appreciate you and i'd appreciate you a lot more if you died today I, it's just it's just kind of how it goes and right right whether it's artists whether it's anyone <laughs> it's 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 the reality changes the moment that the inevitable happens but uh, regardless it's it's been an emotional week for a lot of people because It really does feel like a family member because when you think of all the time you spent with your family over the last 50 years, so much of it has been with John Madden either as the background or as the soundtrack. The big games, every big game from 1981 until he retired after Super Bowl 43. If it's a big game, John Madden's there. The video game, all the time spent with family and friends and whatever playing the video game, it's his game. I mean, that, that's how deeply ingrained he is in the fabric of not just football, but of American life. that That's thats what really hit me this week, Peter.
2: Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, what really hit me, Mike. And that is because I had an experience with him. I spent uh, three and a half days on a bus with him. Uh, in 1990, for a story for Sports Illustrated, um, and what really hit me about that—and there we are—but um, what really hit me about that when I look back on it is John Madden, the full person, and you know, being at a big boy restaurant in Elko, Nevada, and engaging fans of the Lions and the Packers, uh, and not just, yeah, well, you know, whatever, but actually conversing with him. Hey, what do you do? What's your story? Um, you're retired out here. What What did you do back in, in Ypsilanti and, and all that, you know? And, and then uh, we were driving on I-80 in Nebraska, a beautiful, uh, warm, maybe 68, 70 degrees Indian summer day in the fall that year. And, you know, he told Willie Yarbrough, his bus driver, hey, pull the car, pull the bus over. And so he pulled over on the berm of I-80, Madden reaches into a drawer for a book, and I look at the cover of the book, it says, Wildflowers Across America. We get off the bus, and he looks at this field of flaming red wildflowers, and he and he flips through the pages and finally he finds it, and he basically is has got a moment of, hey, that's really cool, I found out, now I know what these are called, so... When I'm going through uh, Nebraska the next time, and I see these, I'll know what they are. I mean, he just—he's—he's uh, he's a, a weird uh, bing bang boom renaissance man, and and I don't know quite how to describe it other than he had so many interests in life. We talked about John Steinbeck for forty five minutes, and how he was inspired by Travels with Charlie. I mean, it just. There are just a lot of things that when I think of Madden, I think of him as just a different person, and I just I just have
1: a lot of really warm thoughts about the guy. I find myself retreating back to the 70s when I was discovering the game, and, and you think of the coaches, the larger-than-life figures, and they didn't have to to be the walking billboards for whatever nike's latest product line is they wore whatever they wanted to wear they had their own special look but they were all so buttoned up bud grant Tom Landry, Don Shula with that yeah. very, you know, that yeah. that very authoritative figure. And Chuck Knoll, who who was, put, you know, put together like those guys. And then there's John Madden. I said it the other day. He was like a big old sheepdog running up and down the sidelines. And, you, you know, you never knew what he was going to say. You never knew what he was going to do. His hair's flying everywhere. He was so different from those other coaches, he stood out in that regard, and I remember how stunned he was that he retired. I I just assumed he'd, he of all those guys that were coaching in the seventies, he's the one that's going to be there for another twenty or maybe even thirty years. Peter,
2: you know what would really be the great honor, and and, and Mike, he, uh, in response to what you're saying, he never really thought of going back either. It never occurred to him, I want to go back. He never seriously considered ever uh, going back in coaching again. But, you know, you look at some of this video or some of this, some of the film, and I just keep thinking to myself, you know, if it wasn't really, really cold on Sunday and I were an NFL head coach, I would go on the sidelines with a short sleeve button down shirt or a short sleeve Oxford shirt there with a tie on and with a credential hanging from my belt Uh as you know to honor John Madden and I, I just I, you know what I really hope one coach does I haven't even looked at the schedule to see what are the dome games or or what are the what are the warm weather games this week but I just would love to see it even if the coach was told by his teams, hey, your contract says you got to wear a, a, a Viking sweater on the sidelines or whatever it is. You got to wear team gear on the sidelines. Well, I mean, this is one day where you shouldn't wear team gear, where, in my opinion, all the coaches should honor John Madden.
1: Now, the Patriots are playing at home this weekend, so it's going to be a little chilly, but wouldn't you love to see Bill Belichick in that getup? That would <laughs> yes. be the ultimate of all the coaches Absolutely. right now in the game, to see Belichick do that. That's a great thought. Now, all, the NFL has asked all home teams to hold a moment of silence this weekend for John Madden, and and, and that's got to be just the beginning. Eventually, the, it's incumbent on the league to come up with something that is big enough to honor the life and the legacy of John Madden, and and uh, I look forward to seeing what the league decides to do. You know, Peter, I had a a reader suggest that that they when they inevitably expand, and we know they will. You you once you get to eighteen games, and you want more inventory for gambling. I, I think at some point we're going to see more teams. Somebody suggested a team in Oakland named after John Madden. The Oakland Maddens, I actually prefer the Oakland All-Maddens. I like the ring of that better. But, you know, I I just hope that there's something that is is as big and loud and present as he was. That's how big the honor ultimately needs to be.
2: I mean, look, there should be a team in Oakland. There should be a team in San Diego, period. They never should have lost teams. And I think it's one of the ultimate sadnesses of – uh, of what has happened in recent years in the NFL, that some of the truly great fan bases in NFL history have had their teams taken away. Um, but, hey, look, whatever happens, in my opinion, we are going to see an outpour, on Sunday an outpouring of love and affection for John Madden across the league and good for everybody. I hope there are some teams that do more than that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really wish the Raiders were home this weekend, you know, instead of being, I think they're at Indianapolis, right? Yes. Um, I really wish they were home. Uh, but look, I, I just think that we all need to, and, and I've heard from so many people uh, and I'm going to write a lot in my column, just people uh you know opening uh, opening up a vein uh and talking about John Madden so uh look he deserves what is being said about him and i think for years we're all going to look back and we're all going to look back at having been better uh both in our football knowledge and just our enjoyment of football that that's what that's what it that's what he did he made us enjoy football and uh, so anyway i really appreciate having gotten to know him a little bit i didn't know him well i was not close to him or anything like that but i just really appreciate the opportunity to have been around him some and uh, i'm really grateful for that
1: and i picked up a valuable life lesson this week via brian curtis of the ringer in the item he wrote about john madden John Madden would not sleep in a hotel bed on the same side as the phone because that was the side where the businessman put his ass every, <laughs> you know, <laughs> words to live by, sleep on the other side of the bed away from the telephone. I had never considered that, but uh makes a ton I mean, of sense. I read that, Mike,
2: it. but don't you think, don't you think that probably the sheets were changed Before you came into the room.
1: (laughs) What do you think? Still, The ass seeps through the sheets. (laughs) You know, there are certain conditions that may cause that, Peter. Let's go ahead and take a break before we get any more graphic than we already are. How will COVID impact the final weeks of the regular season? We'll discuss that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Um, and then lastly, with regard to the quarterback position, because I know some of you have asked or will ask, if, you know, the chatter about Phillip Rivers. Um,
1: yes, I have talked to Phillip. Obviously, you guys know that I'm close to him. Um, we've talked all year long. Um, we have talked all year long. Uh, I kind of followed his coaching career, talking about his high school um, high school team that he coached. Did talk to him fairly recently. He was on vacation, on a Christmas vacation with his family. I, I have talked to him about our situation here, and
0: um, but there's nothing, there's no nothing to report, and no other further comment at this point. Sam's our starter, and uh, happy, happy for the opportunity Sam has. Will adapt and adjust as needed later in the week if Carson clears and is and
1: is available for the game. The Philip Rivers family on a Christmas vacation. We're definitely going to need a bigger boat to load everybody into that and go wherever it was that they went. But Philip Rivers had talked about possibly playing this year. The Saints gave him a call. He wasn't interested. The Colts have talked to him. Who knows where that was going to go? But they're 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 holding out hope that they're going to have Carson Wentz on Sunday, Peter, because of the abrupt and sudden decision of the NFL and the NFL Players Association to pounce on the new CDC guidelines that reduces that. Quarantine time from 10 days down to five days so you can get guys back faster and Wentz could be back in time to play on Sunday and they won't have needed anyone else to step in for Carson Wentz. And this policy change may be exactly what the Colts needed to get their 10th win of the season.
2: Look, I mean, I remember being with Frank Reich in the uh, in the summer at their training camp when Carson Wentz had that foot injury. And, you know, I, Reich has a, a very interesting view of both coaching and, uh, and getting players ready to play in a game. And, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. At one point, Frank Reich told me, he said, you know, I, I'm convinced you can get a player ready. You can get a quarterback ready to win one football game, you know, despite what you might think, if there's a big drop-off from the starter to the backup, you can do enough because if that guy's in professional football, he's pretty good, and there are some things he can do that you can build a game plan around, and particularly if, you, if the other team doesn't know him that well, There are some things that you can figure out that he can win in that game. And that's what I immediately thought of this week when it it surfaced that there's a good chance that Ellinger is going to play in this game. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I always mess it up. But I just keep thinking Ellinger, Ellinger. So I just keep thinking this one thing, that they kept this kid over Jacob Eason why did they do that because I think Jacob Eason you know his eyes got like saucers when the bright lights came on whereas Ellinger he's sort of like Joe Burrow you know he's a little baby-faced assassin there now he doesn't have the arm of Joe Burrow he doesn't have the accomplishments of Joe Burrow but I do think if I were picking this game and we talked about the odds that we saw in this game. And, and everybody said, man, you know, pick the Raiders this week or whatever. I think the Colts are going to win that game because I think Frank Reich has got enough plays in his tool belt for Ellinger to feel like he can go out and execute X number of plays successfully and beat the Raiders. The only The only X factor in this game is the fact that Max Crosby is playing out of his mind <laughs> you know and 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 somebody's going to have to actually block Max Crosby you know who is going to make his first of hopefully for him several all-pro teams this year I believe
1: well and the reality for the Colts is we just saw them play on Christmas night in Arizona without four of their offensive linemen by the time Eric Fisher exited with right. an injury and they still managed to and beat they the Cardinals it so out. Frank Rock Reich- And Frank Reich now has the second-best odds for Coach of the Year behind only Matt LaFleur of the Packers. People are appreciating and recognizing what Reich has done. He's guided this team through murky waters and recently got a big win that they needed. So I don't have any real concern about the Colts' ability to win the game on Sunday, even if Carson Wentz doesn't return. The bigger issue, though, and as we talked earlier, the good news for the Colts is once Wentz is back, unvaccinated Wentz is, but once he's back – He's got that 90 day testing holiday, the holiday, as long as he's asymptomatic, he's back and he's good and he's there and they don't have to worry about him possibly being gone again with, uh, with other teams that haven't been through that. It's a ton of pressure down the stretch, Peter, for guys to avoid getting exposed, whether it was last weekend with Christmas, this weekend with New Year's or just in their regular day-to-day lives. We don't seem to have that same commitment and urgency that we had a year ago when a lot of guys understood you just go straight home and you stay there because society isn't go straight home and stay there anymore. Everybody else is out and about, even as this variant continues to spread. I wonder how many guys are really going to change behaviors. Uh, I talked to one of them yesterday,
2: Calais Campbell of the Ravens. Um, I got on the phone with him. Uh, after their morning walkthrough in Owings Mills, Maryland. And he told me, my first question was, hey, how you doing? Uh, And he said, stressed. He said, this is very stressful. The reason it's stressful, Mike, is that Calais Campbell had COVID last year, but he has not had it this year. And so what he is doing this year, and he understands this game is a playoff game for the Baltimore Ravens, a must-win game against one of the teams in football playing the best out of anyone right now, the Rams. And why is he stressed? Because he can't test positive before this game. So what's he doing? He is doing all the same protocols at, at home that he's doing at the facility, being careful, steering clear of people, not going anywhere other than going home after practice, uh, doing nothing, you know, and trying to stay as isolated as he can. And, and yet, as he said, you know, you just, you never really know because this is so transmissible, uh, this uh, variant of the virus. So I think you add that. For a lot of the unvaccinated or a lot of the uh, players who have not tested positive, rather, for all those players, as well as learning their opponent this week and and how are we going to win this and what are we going to, you've also got to be very, very concerned. Don't go to a restaurant, don't even go to the grocery store, don't do anything other than get in your car, go home, be a monk for the next 10 days so you don't test positive in the last
1: two weeks of the season. And that's just going to be so much harder to do this year than it was last year, because last year more people were were living that way. We've reached, as a society, a point of fatigue, even though it's still infecting people, and the numbers are off the charts in some locales and nationwide. The numbers are higher this year than they were last year. I know more people are being tested, and, and this, this variant is more transmissible, but... I think it's a lot more challenging this year, Peter, to get guys to to do what they need to do to avoid getting it away from the Mike. Facility. I, think and, and... I think it was. I think it was, but I'm not.
2: I think you might be wrong about that right now. I talked to Reggie I think it Scott, on the, the trainer team. of the of the Rams this week, but but I, I think I think it is being drilled into their heads that. This is easier to get, and if you do get it, the same thing happens. You are out, and you are letting your team down. So while I think two weeks ago, I think players said, "Ah, oh, well, you know, enough, forget that. Today, at this moment, this week, they have been preached to so hard. I mean, Reggie Scott told me he's had individual conversations with almost everyone on the team, about how important it is to do everything now. I mean, they've had all these guys test positive. So those guys are kind of living proof. But I'll give you a good example of what happened with the Rams. You know, last, on Christmas morning, December 25, uh, at about 1.30 in the afternoon, the Rams are going to take a plane to Minnesota to play the Vikings last Sunday. And... In the morning, Andrew Whitworth, it's Christmas morning. You know, he's got four kids. Should be a time of great celebration. He is isolated away from his family, and he calls uh, Reggie Scott, and he says, hey, I'm not feeling too good, and I I think I need to come in and take a test. So he goes in, takes a test, waits, and he's positive. And so then, you know, how's that for a Merry Christmas? And so then he's got to go home, and Reggie Scott's got to walk into Sean McVay's office and said, Oh, yeah, you know, you're all of a sudden, you know, he had no idea about this five minutes ago, but right now your left tackle's out. You know, the best pass blocking left tackle this year in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, he's out for Sunday. And so I think you get those kind of things, those kind of slaps in the face. And it tells everyone on your team, look, don't be that guy. And, and look, who knows how it happened with Andrew Whitworth. Uh, he's not exactly Mr. Party Animal. You know, uh, but, but so I think everyone today, right now, December 31, is taking it a lot more seriously than they took it on December 10th.
1: I remember last year, didn't Whitworth's entire family get infected because they had somebody who came into the house, whether it was a babysitter or whoever, who, yeah. who had gone to brunch with someone and got it and gave it to everyone in the house? So yes. We're back to where we were last Good year memory. from the standpoint of the urgency, the urgency of the teams that want to be alive at the end and the teams that don't want to be gutted right before a playoff game. They, they need to follow this, and, and all the players need to take it seriously. We need to take a break. When we return, we'll do a uh, rip through the Week 17 games that are the most important on the schedule. We'll do that next here on PFT Live.
0: So Ryan Tannehill will be on the other side. For Dolphins fans, that brings a lot of extra meaning to this game as if it needs anything extra. Uh, for you, do you just forget about the opposing QB and focus on who you're going against, which is uh, the actual Titans' defense? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, you know, Ryan's not playing corner, or he's not he's not going to be pressuring me, so I'm not going to be watching film on Ryan. Um, you know, but... I have a lot of respect for the things that he's done throughout his career, his football career, being here, um, uh, and also what he's doing there at uh, Tennessee. But yeah, I, I mean, we're we're focused on what their defense can do to to stop us, not not looking at at uh, Ryan playing defense. So.
1: One thing I learned when practicing law, never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. One thing I've learned in this new business I've been in for 20 years now, never put the answer into the question. I don't know who asked that question. I've been there and done that many times. He gave him the answer. He gave him the answer. Why ask the question if you're also going to give him the answer? And on On that cheerful note, it's time for today's Speed Round, brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the National Football League. Let's start with that game, the Dolphins against the Titans. The Dolphins, the first team in NFL history, Peter to have both a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season, although this is going to be the toughest game they have faced since that Thursday night against Baltimore. Can they go in to Nashville and handle a Titans team that just keeps finding a way against all odds and through all adversity they find a way? Will they find a way to deal with this red-hot Dolphins team? I think they
2: can, but I think it's going to have to be a low-scoring game, um, and I think they're going to have to win it on defense. I mean, right now, think of this, Mike. Uh, this is just the, one of the weird stats of the week, but it really means something. Miami leads the NFL with 45 sacks. Tennessee has allowed the fourth most sacks in the league, 45. And so what what Miami has to preach is rush Ryan Tannehill and don't give him any chance to be comfortable. I think in order to win this game, Miami's got to generate a couple more turnovers uh, than than they commit. And you know, and and look, you know, I think the 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 wise men who really analyze this game have looked at Miami and said, you know, they're they're a good team. Uh, they they really have not had the kind of victories where you would say, oh my God, they're, they're red hot and look out, nobody wants to play Miami. I think Miami's good. Uh, I just, I don't think they're overwhelmingly good. And I think they're going to have to play a low scoring game and they're going to have to abuse Ryan Tannehill to win this one.
1: I love what they do with the line of scrimmage, though, on defense. They'll have seven or eight guys there. You don't know who's rushing. You don't know who's dropping into coverage. Yeah, Reminds me of the old Bears uh, 46 defense, frankly, with just chaos and confusion. We saw what it did to Ian Book. We saw what it did to Lamar Jackson. We saw what it did to Cam Newton. And uh, that has kind of become their identity defensively. So I give them a chance, but it's not going to be easy with the Titans trying to... Uh, still still uh, potentially climb the ladder to number one seat if they can get some things to fall their way they clinch the afc south with a win the eagles take on washington philadelphia currently the seventh seed in the nfc washington lost four in a row One four in a row they've lost three in a row they've had a rough go of it lately the eagles have discovered their running game credit to nick sirianni for figuring out on the fly what his team does well and doing it the, the Eagles are, are one of those teams that if you're the other teams in the NFC playoff field, you're kind of hoping they don't get in because they could be dangerous in the elements. They run the ball, they play good defense. That's the formula we've recognized for decades to be successful in the postseason.
2: Look, uh, you know, they're five and one in their last six. They're the best running team in football in the second half of the season. And, and I kind of look at the Eagles, Mike, as one of the really, really interesting, compelling teams in football to the point that I think it's legitimately possible that Jalen Hurts uh, could enter the offseason as the Eagles quarterback, that they could, they could use the draft and free agency as... Uh, as a way to supplement all other positions on their team, other than quarterback, in a year when all the quarterbacks seem to be suspect coming out in the draft. So, Mike, I, I would, I, I think this is a game that the Eagles are going to wear down Washington. And if I were Washington, I would really be playing, uh, you know, max men in the box consistently to try to make sure that they don't beat us by running. Even though I really like Jalen Hurts, I want this game, if I'm Washington, if I'm Ron Rivera, I want it to be decided by Jalen Hurts' arm uh, and not his
1: legs and the legs of the running backs. That's an NFC East game. The next one used to be an NFC East game for years when the Cardinals were in that division. Even when they were... The Arizona and Phoenix Cardinals, they were still in the NFC East. That still makes no sense to me. And the Cardinals currently make no sense to me. Three straight losses after a 10-2 and start. The Cowboys, a four-game winning streak, and they found the gas pedal offensively against Washington on Sunday night. This feels like just another, another step toward the crumbling of the Cardinals and the ascension of the Cowboys. Am I misreading it, Peter?
2: I don't think you're misreading it at all. I think... Uh, Kyler Murray, I'm not saying he's regressed, but he's not because the first half of this season, he's the most accurate quarterback, the most explosive quarterback in the NFL. And I think that the Cardinals need to go back to what they believe right now that they can do the best. And that is giving the ball to James Connor and Chase Edmonds and keeping Dak Prescott off the field. That, to me, is the key for Arizona to have a good chance to win this game.
1: You know, we've seen it with Prescott this year and his calf injury. We've seen it with Russell Wilson and his finger injury. And I think, to a certain extent, we're seeing it with Murray and his ankle injury. You miss some time, but when you come back, you're still not the guy that you were before you suffered that injury yeah. it takes more time to get back and the cardinals are running out of time to turn it around we are running out of time we're going to take a break and we'll do the week 17 show me something draft when pft live continues right after this
0: pro football talk is brought to you by verizon the official 5g network of the nfl
1: We must protect this house. Um, (laughs) I love when you say that. (laughs) Which made me think of, for some strange reason, we must protect this mouse because I was watching the Green Mile last night. Oh, yeah, you got to protect the mouse. Man, that made me more sad maybe than anything in the damn movie. The but the mouse came back to life oh, and that's right, like an incredibly moved, yeah. long time. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that he did that. That was a great job. Yeah. A great Spoiler movie. alert. Great movie. Oh, awesome movie. Yeah. Awesome movie. Awesome book by Peter King. Where- I've read the book and uh, seen the movie many times, and I'm halfway through it. Stephen King, Peter King. Peter King. Uh, Peter King writing under the pseudonym Stephen King. No, neither Stephen one seems King, to comb King, their
2: hair King. all that well, so I can <laughs> see why you get him confused. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was the sucker punch out of nowhere from a few weeks ago, uh, as we were discussing the Green Mile. Peter, I, are you a Green Mile fan?
2: I like, I love the movie. I thought it was
1: fantastic. Awesome movie, and just one of those Stephen King books that goes on and on and on. I mean, the guy is so prolific, yeah. but he's got some books that I you, you need a, you need a month, you need two, you need three, you need a year to get through them. But anyway, it's uh, it's one of his one of his best in my Stephen opinion Stephen right, show and Peter me. King have
2: only one thing in common you know we are both what? far too wordy
1: <laughs> well uh I haven't heard him speak <laughs> but I know in writing in writing he definitely definitely uh, can can uh, can As drink you I. under the table <laughs> from that standpoint all right uh let's yeah. do show me something draft I give you the first pick show me something Kyler Murray
2: Arizona Cardinals 7-0 and in Kyler Murray's first uh, seven games this year. The Arizona Cardinals 1-4 in the last five games that Kyler Murray has played. 74% passer early, 64% passer since then. Kyler Murray has to come through big against the Cowboys in what's going to be a high-scoring game if Arizona's going to have any chance to win. Show me something, Kyler Murray,
1: in your return to Dallas. One of the strangest weeks that I think anyone in the NFL had last week happened to Justin Herbert, who was named the AFC Pro Bowl starter, the best quarterback in the conference. Got it in the fan voting, coach voting, player voting. He's the guy. And then the Chargers proceed to get their asses kicked by the Houston Texans and Justin Herbert looked more like the rookie third rounder from Stanford was supposed to look in that game. So show me something, Justin Herbert this weekend with the Broncos and drew Locke starting again, coming to town. There's still some hope for the chargers to make it to the playoffs. Although I think they should be disqualified after what they did last week, but, but Justin Herbert with all the praise, all the accolades, all the superlatives being thrown his way. It's hard to reconcile that with what we saw last weekend Peter, here's hoping it was an aberration. Here's hoping he proves it this weekend against Denver.
2: Show me something to a Valoa. You've won seven in a row. Good for you. I don't mean to put in any way an asterisk on those seven wins, but now you're getting into a heavyweight bout in Nashville, Tennessee. And if the Miami Dolphins are legitimate, solid, excellent contenders for one of those last couple of playoff spots in the afc this is the week to show it show me something to a playing against the more recent miami dolphins alumnus at quarterback ryan Tannehill, in nashville on sunday
1: Show me something, Baker Mayfield, four interceptions on Christmas Day at Lambeau Field. I felt bad for him. He was gone for nine or ten days, back from COVID, thrust into it, did his best. The last one was a little sketchy, a little little pass interference committed by Russell Douglas. But, hey, they didn't call it, so I guess it isn't. But he needs to go into Pittsburgh on the night that it's going to be... Big Ben Swan song, at least in the regular season. It's going to be loud. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. They went in there and won last year in the playoffs. Baker Mayfield needs to get it together. His future in Cleveland, in some respects, I think, is hinging on these last two games. If he wins in Pittsburgh... For the Ben Rothersberger finale, that could be something that gets the Browns and their fans keen to the idea of Mayfield sticking around. We ask you to stick around. We'll be back to wrap up not just the show, but the Show Me Something draft when PFT Live continues right after this. The MVP lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars here we go show me something for week 17 the first two rounds are in peter you've got round three
2: uh show me something mike zimmer in the last four years the minnesota vikings have uh are two games over 500 if they lose their last two this year they will be 500 in the last four years of the mike zimmer reign uh, it's just isn't good enough with the talent they've had on the team, especially with most of the defense coming back this year. And uh, I just, I, I think that Mike Zimmer right now is the coach in the NFL that I'm most on the lookout for, for what happens after the season.
1: You know, I've suggested from time to time over the past couple of years that ownership in Minnesota's attitude is just good enough is good enough. You know, just good enough to be in the hunt for a playoff berth. Just good enough to get there once in a while. Just good enough to maybe win a playoff game every three or four years. But just good enough isn't even there this year. They're, they're, they've they've blown too many leads. They've had too many lapses. They've lacked energy at key moments, and it all. It comes back to the coach at some point. Last one for me. I'll go with Trey Lance under the assumption that we're going to see him on Sunday. This is his opportunity. This is his moment. coming against the Texans. who are kind of dangerous right now. But Trent Williams, the 49ers left tackle, speaking out recently to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area in support of Lance. Let's see what he can do. Maybe he's the thing that can make the difference for the 49ers. We wish everyone out there a happy new year. Enjoy the games on Sunday. We'll see you back here on Monday.